It was so much fun ministering with my friends that came from Dallas, and I have one that's come back to come preach to you guys this morning. Uh, Pastor Tyler is the young adults pastor at Church 1132. Uh, He preached Thursday night, and he preached the house down to these students. I mean, it was so, so powerful. So, Pathway, would you mind standing to your feet, and let's honor Pastor Tyler Wooten. What's up, Pathway? How y'all doing this morning? Come on, somebody. You may have a seat. Hey, it's good to be here. Uh, As Pastor James said, I am from Dallas. I come by the way of Church 1132. I send greetings from back home this morning from my senior pastor, Pastor Dustin Bates, uh, and my wife as well. She's leading worship back home. She she wishes that she could be with us today. Um, But but she can't, and I miss her, and I can't wait to see her tonight. Come on, somebody. but hey, it's, it, it is a true joy and honor. We had a great time with your students uh, this week and 18 people that we know of, that we counted, giving their lives to Jesus. I mean, isn't that amazing? Come on, I still believe that's the greatest miracle that we could ever see in the house of God. It's a soul going from death to life, from lost to found. Um, so that was awesome. Baptized in the Spirit of God. Come on, we need the power more than ever in 2019 church. And, and we, we saw students activated uh, with the power of the Spirit, and uh, it was just a good time. I want to honor uh, the straights this morning, Pastor Marty, come on, First Lady, would you honor them this morning? Thank you, wherever they may be. I honor you, sir. I bless you. Uh, we love you here. Thank you for paving the way so that we can enjoy Sunday morning uh, in this type of experience. Uh, I just want to bless you and your wife and your family. Thank you for being a pioneer uh, here in Longview, Texas. Anybody love your city? Anybody believe you have great days ahead? Come on, in Longview, Texas. We're believing the same for revival, for Dallas, and um, I'll give my life, I'll give my life to the local church, I'll give my life to see revival break out in our time. I still believe the greatest move of God uh, is yet to, to have happened. Anybody else believe that in this room? Amen, amen, come on. Pastor James, I love you. You are just the real deal. Um, and, and, and thank you for truly loving people and truly loving Jesus. Um, I just really honor you for that. Thank you for being so sold out to the next generation. Thank you for giving your life for people. Thank you for the stuff that you walk through that nobody could even tell that you walk through. Thank you for carrying the weight, you and Miss Lindsay. Um, for, thank you for helping your pastor build this house. And thank you for many of the things you could be doing in life. And thank you, brother, for being a bridge so that people may find Jesus. Although bridge sometimes is a hard thing to be because you're walked on, you're overlooked, you're taken advantage of. But thank you so much for just being who you are to the people of God and to the lost people in Longview. I bless you. Thank you so much. Amen. Amen. I got my dude Trevor in the front row. One of my homies, one of my leaders for young adults, just a powerful man of God. Uh, you are truly awesome, man. Thank you for just being who you are. You're awesome, and I love your shirt. Would you stand up and so I can embarrass you? Let's look at his shirt. Just look at his shirt, y'all. You know he's coming ready for church in that shirt. Come on, come on. Come on, we're gonna have a good day today. Uh, I believe it. I'm so blessed and honored to be here. I don't take this opportunity lightly. Uh, any other, any time I. Any chance I get, any honor I get to stand in another man's pulpit. I know Pastor Marty would say this is God's pulpit, but in the natural it's his. And I don't take this lightly. I don't take ministering to you lightly. Oh, we're going to have a good time today, amen? I was thinking during worship of this story before we even get into the text. 
was reminded of the story. Some of you may know, some of you don't, and that's all right, I'll tell you. There's a woman, she's known as the woman with the issue of blood in the text. In other words, she was, she was sick. She was, she was sick for 12 years. And to summarize this story, this, this woman heard that Jesus was coming through town. And scholars would say that this woman traveled over 38 miles on foot. She was in this place, she was, she was, she was just to be real, to be graphic, she was bleeding out for 12 years. And so, so you can only imagine how weak her body was and to be that desperate to get around Jesus is, is something that's really commendable. And um, I think it's kind of cute. I think this woman with the issue of blood, uh, I think she shows us up sometime because, you know, it rains a little bit or, or, the, or the weather's, you know, super nice and we'd rather be somewhere else than the house of God, but it's a whole different thing. Um, the woman with the issue of blood traveled all these miles on foot to be where Jesus was. And it said that she, that she had made her way through the crowd and touched the hem of his garment, touched the bottom of his robe. And where Jesus was walking through, because the town heard Jesus was coming through, there's potentially hundreds uh, of people around Jesus. And when this woman touched the bottom of Jesus' robe, Jesus turns around and says, who touched me? Some of y'all know the story, who touched me? And I love the Greek. Sometimes you have to dive deep in the word of God, but the Greek word here, touch, means to grab hold of, to take hold of, to be intentional. You know, there's a difference between being in proximity and being intentional. Because when Jesus turned around and said, who touched me? The disciples said, Jesus, what do you mean who touched you? There are hundreds of people around brushing up against you. They use this word, thronging you. He said, no, no, no. I, I didn't ask who thronged me. I asked who touched me. And my fear on Sunday mornings is that we show up to church and we only throng him. That's why you walk out the same. That's why your family walks out the same in the same issue. That's why you walk out in the same mindset with, with, with the same dysfunction. But let me tell you, on a Sunday morning like this, you can walk out of this place knowing that you grabbed the border of his garment and you didn't just throng him another Sunday. You, you touched him. You grabbed a hold of all that Jesus is. And I sense I got some people in this room today who, who that, that's your declaration. I will touch him in the next 45 minutes together. I will touch Jesus and I will get a touch from heaven and I will leave this place different. Life is hard, life is tough and, and, and we need something larger, something beyond ourselves to grab hold of. I'm gonna tell you this morning, that's Jesus and Jesus only. Would you open up with me to, to John chapter five? I'm gonna read it in the Passion Translation. It'll be on the screen as well. You with me this morning? Come on. John chapter five goes like this. Verse one. Then Jesus returned to Jerusalem to observe one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city near the sheep gate, there is a pool in Aramaic called the house of loving kindness, or it's also known as the house of mercy. Say mercy. And this pool is surrounded by five covered porches, say five. Hundreds of sick people were lying there on the porches, the paralyzed, the blind, the crippled, and all of them were waiting for one thing, their healing. They were waiting for a stirring of the water, for an angel of God would periodically descend into the pool to stir the waters. And the first one who stepped into the pool after the waters swirled would be instantly healed. 
So they were waiting for a moving. They're waiting for a stirring of the water. There was a pool in front of them. And he said, an angel came down at a certain time, in a certain moment, in a certain way, in a certain approach, he would stir the waters. That's what he was waiting for. Verse five. Now there was a man who had been disabled for 38 years. Say 38. He was lying among the multitude of the sick. When Jesus saw him lying there, he knew, say knew, he knew that the man had been crippled for a long time. He, he knew, he knew his condition. When he saw him, he knew that he had been crippled for a long time. So Jesus said to him, Jesus walked up, Jesus walked up to him. He saw him, he knew, and he walked up to him and said to him, verse, uh, uh, whatever that verse is, verse five, I think. Do you, verse six, do you truly long to be healed? Verse seven, the sick man answered, sir, there's no way that I can get healed for I have no one who will lower me into the water when the angel comes. As soon as I try to crawl out to the edge of the pool, someone jumps in ahead of me. He said, I'm skipped over. Then Jesus said to him, stand up, pick up your mat and walk. Stand up, pick up your mat and walk. Immediately he stood up and he was healed. Immediately on the other side of his obedience, come on, he was healed. So he rolled up his mat and walked again. I'm going to jump over to John 4. I didn't give it to the media team. God dropped this in my spirit last time. I'm just going to read it to you. 426 in the Passion says this, speaking to the woman at the well. Then, then Jesus said to her, you don't have to wait any longer. The anointed one is here speaking with you. I am the one you're looking for. I've come to this place today to let you know that he is the one that you've been looking for. Whether you know it or not, he's the one you've been looking for. It's my assignment this morning to minister to you a word entitled, The Point of Contact. The Point of Contact. Let's pray one more time. Father, we love you. And I pray in this place that you speak loudly well, we can't deny it was you. Spirit of the living God, thank you for moving in this room, manifesting yourself. We need your glory. The Bible says that where your presence is, is the fullness of joy. And where your spirit is, there is freedom. So Father, we thank you for freedom and thank you for joy in this room. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen, would you give it up for my sister back here? Thank you so much, you are incredible. Come on. Somebody say church. Come on, somebody say church. church. Say church like you're mad. Church. church. I don't know why we decided to say it like that, but just get a little attitude with it. You got to get a little attitude. Somebody say church. I'm going to church. Where you going? I'm going to church. Come on. I, I know I got some church people in the room. It's raining in Longview, Texas. Uh, you said, no, I still got to get to church. Come on, somebody say church. church. Hey, growing up, uh, first of all, I got a little PSA, public service announcement for all of you in this room that are uh, anywhere younger than me, okay? Back in the day, I don't know if you know this or not, but um, there was life before iPhones. Yeah. Ah, I know, it's, I know it's crazy to think about, but there was life before, before iPhones. It was, it was actually kind of wild. Back in, the, back in the day, I say that like, I'm oh, all back in my day. No, just a few years ago, there was uh, something that we had called a Walkman. And I'm not gonna act like I had the cassette Walkman, like I'm not that old. But I had the anti-skip Walkman, as if just a regular Walkman wasn't enough. You had to put anti-skip, you know, it's a marketing thing, whatever. Anti-skip, 
But I would still argue the point because if I was bumping my music too hard, walking around my neighborhood, you know, there's a little clip. That's why I keep doing like this. There's a little clip uh, on the CD player, on the Walkman CD player. There's a little clip, the anti-skip Walkman. But, but the, thing, the, the, the thing about it was if I would get to bumping my music too passionately and walking with a little limp like I was cool, it would skip. I would hit a bump and it would skip. It would do a few things. It, it, it would either skip to the next song. You remember that? It was you're like, oh, well, you're, you're singing your heart out passionately. Or, and it just skips. Some of, y'all, some of y'all still listen to CDs in your car and you hit a bump and it skips to the next song. And you know that, that embarrassing moment when you're singing your heart out, you're praising the Lord. And then, you know, you're, you're hitting the key that you wish that no one in this world would, would hear you try to hit. And it skips to the next song. You're like, oh, man, that doesn't even work. And it skips to the next song. Or it would start over. Y'all, y'all remember that? Tell me y'all don't even know what I'm talking about. It's all good. Maybe it's just the ones that I bought. It had issues. It, it, it would start over or it would get stuck on repeat. Okay, my generation came up with something called chopped and screwed, which means that we pretty much got the dysfunctional, uh, uh, we, we pretty much got the dysfunctional track and made a beat out of it. So chopped and screwed would be something like, like if I was listening to Montel Jordan, this is how it do. Hey, that's... That's called chopped and screwed, and then it would just slow down, do all these other beats, but we pretty much got the dysfunctional track and put a beat behind it and it made money out of it. That's called chopped and screwed. But, but the reason why it would do that is because inside the CD player, there was a little laser. There was a lens and a laser would go through. I don't know if y'all knew that, but you know, we had to take off the cover. We had to like, like blow on the, on the lens, had to wipe the laser um, but, but, but because it had, a, it had what was called a point of contact. If the point of contact between the laser and the CD was hindered, it wouldn't produce the sound that it was meant to produce. If there was something in the way, if it got too crazy on the outside, it would hinder the point of contact between the CD and the laser. You hear me? And it wouldn't produce the sound that it desires to produce. And I have found in life that if my point of contact with Jesus is hindered, I'm not producing the type of sound, the type of life, the type of purity, the type of joy, the type of happiness that I'm called to produce in my life. What did David say? He put a new song in my mouth. He unhindered my point of contact. This man that we read about today had a point of contact that was hindered. He was looking to the waters for a stirring. He was looking to the pool for a moment. He was looking to this place for his miracle. 38 years, the Bible says this man was in this context. His context was this mat. This mat was his world. Everything that he saw was from a skewed perspective because he was in a low place. You ever found yourself in a low place? You ever known somebody in a low place? This is why, church, we can't judge people when they're in a low place. Because images seem larger than they actually are. If you were to come lay down in front of me right here, I would look like a giant. I know I'm 6'4 naturally, but, <laughs> but if you were to come lay <laughs> But I would seem very large. People, they overcompensate in their attitude and their reactions with their words when they're in a low place. This is why, this is why you can't get mad at somebody when they're in a low place. You gotta ask God for a spirit of understanding and a spirit of patience when it comes to somebody in a low place. We act like sometimes we ain't never been there before. We act like sometimes that we ain't never been in a low place. This man that we read about was in a low place and he was, he was lying there for 38 years. This was his world. 
I imagine every day he felt skipped over. Just like the track I talked about. Because he said that every day, Jesus, when I get up to move into the pool when the water stirred, somebody skips over me. Each and every day or each and every time when that certain season would come, when the angel would come in a certain fashion, he said that I would have to start over each and every day. He was skipped over. He, he, he felt like he had to start over each day. And he also felt stuck, just like your track would on the CD. It, he, he felt stuck. He, I bet he woke up each day wondering, is today going to be the day? Is today going to be the day of freedom? Is today going to be the day of healing? Is today going to be the day of breakthrough? I felt skipped over. I felt like I have to start over each and every day. And I feel stuck. Can you relate to this man? You ever woken up and asked yourself, will today be the day? You ever come up in the house of God and wonder, will today be the day? I feel looked over. You feel looked over? Like nobody sees you? Leaders in the room, you feel looked over? People who serve in the lobby, you feel looked over? Two things here. First thing, we don't do it for people when we serve the house of God. I understand we want to be affirmed and that's and that's great, and we should, um, but, but we, do it, we do it for God. I wish, I hope that I'm in a place, and I'm secure enough in my calling, that if I don't get one more affirmation and confidence from somebody, that I know God still affirms me. Come on. He is, he is the God who sees you. Preach, uh, growing up, my pastor would preach, Jehovah Jireh, he's the God who provides. Some of y'all know that, and he is, but it's a twofold definition. The second one means he's the God who sees. That's good news this morning that God sees you. Right where you are in your condition, he sees you. You felt looked over, he sees you. If you feel stuck, let me tell you that God is still the way maker. Come on, he, he busted the sea wide open. Come on, for, 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 uh, he knocked the walls down. He's still the way maker. When it seems like there is no way, God still comes up on the scene and makes a way for your life, for your family, for your friends, for your workplace. If you need provision, he is the way maker. So here we got the sick, we got the disease, we got the blind, we got the crippled. We got the sick, the diseased, the blind, and the crippled. And here's our man over here laying by the pool, wondering, will today be my day? Isn't that the ultimate question? Is, is I believe he'll do it for them, but will he do it for me? He did it for my neighbor. He did it for my mom. He did it for my friends. He did it for other people in my youth group. He did it for other people in my church, but will he do it for me? That's the ultimate question today that you have is, is will he do it for me? And this man for 38 years was in this low place, looking down, seeing the sick, the crippled, the diseased, the blind. And I love this text because it says that this place was known as the house of mercy. So we got mercy now in the text. And it says that there were five covered porches. Five in the Bible means grace. So now we've got an intersection of mercy and grace. Let me just go ahead and throw this in there. There's also faith in the room. How do I know there was faith in the room? Because you're going to tell a blind person to jump up in a pool? That's some faith. You go cover up your eyes and I say, go swim. Kick. There was mercy. There was grace. There was faith. Kind of sounds like the house of God. 
So now in the text, we got a picture of the church. The blind people, the diseased people, the sick, the deaf. We got the man over here and the man is you and I. Will he do it for me? Is this going to be another day where I'm skipped over, where I feel stuck and I have to start over each and every day? So we got this scenario happening, but what they didn't realize, what this man didn't realize was everything was about to change for him. Everything was about to be different. He was about to receive, we already read it, what he was looking for. It didn't come in the way that he thought it was going to come. Come on. He didn't come in the fashion that he thought it was going to come. But when grace walks on your scene, grace breaks all the rules of religion. Say, you got to come in this way, in this fashion, in this moment, in this season, in this time. When grace comes up out of the shadows, when you're covered by grace, everything can change for you. Because out from the back came a man named Jesus. And can I say, when Jesus walks upon your scene, everything will change. Everything will be different. It may not all come together in the, in, 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 in the uh, immediate moment. I'm telling you, eventually, he'll work it out. That's the grace of God. Let me talk to the people for a moment who feels like because of mistakes that they have made, maybe you're a little older in this room, mistakes that you've made, you felt like you had to start over. Can I say that the Bible says in the book of Joel that he will restore the days that the locusts have eaten? He, makes, he, he, he brings together that, that gap between his provision, his grace, and your mistakes. He, he will supersede time to catch you right back up in the groove that you were once in. So for all you older than me in the room who had an encounter at youth group who are being used by God strongly in your 20s and now your 40s, 50s, 60s, and you're wondering, oh, you just say, oh, it's too late. I hear that a lot from adults. Oh, it's too late for me. I missed my time. No, it's called the grace of God, my friend, and he'll mind the gap in your life. So here we are, the sick, the blind, the man, the diseased, the crippled, the deaf, laying by this pool and out from the back, out from the shadows, a man named Jesus walks on the scene. He walks up to this man, which I love this because sometimes we got to slow down when we, when we read the text. Could have said that he saw him from afar off. He already knew the condition that he was in and he walked up to the man. What's that mean? That means that he sees you. He's aware of your condition. And how do I know he cares? Because he walked up to the man. This morning in this room, the spirit of God is here. And he sees you. He sees the struggle that you're in. He sees your rebellious kids. He's watching over the word on their lives. That was prophetic for somebody in this room who's discouraged. There are some grandparents in this room who are raising, uh, you're raising their grandkid and you're so discouraged. Let me tell you, God says that he watches over his word to be sure that it performs. He is, come on, he is the God who makes a way. And uh, although it seems like there's no way, although it seems like they're crazy right now, just between me, Trevor, and Pastor James, there's enough of a great story to go around this whole room. I had always been a preacher of the word. I've been a preacher of something. Not always of the word. <laughs> I got your typical Pentecostal background, uh, Pentecostal evangelist, evangelist background. I was like, Drugs, alcohol, rock and roll, that whole thing. But Jesus, the love of God walked in my room one night and began to fill places deep down in me that I didn't realize were empty. I no longer put the blade to my wrists. I no longer had my finger on the trigger. I no longer had my 
hand wrapped around a bottle or fingers wrapped around a joint or mind in relationships. There was a God-shaped hole inside of me. And there's a God-shaped hole in all of us that only he can fill. My life was never the same. Jesus walks up on the scene out from the back. He sees this man before the man even sees him. He sees him. He sees the man, walks up, and he asks him this question. He said, what do you want me to do for you? Now, if any of you have ever been on bed rest or, um, or if you've laid down for a period of time or immobile for a period of time, you know that your body doesn't react so well to that. You know, your, your, your body, some of, you, some of you have experienced it before, some, your body will, will, will begin to come, become weak and your muscles will begin to, to, uh, to disintegrate. And, you know, you'll become, imagine this man, he was there for 38 years and Jesus walks up to him and has the audacity to say, what do you want me to do for you? It's like, come on, Jesus. Obviously, this man, look at him. Look at him. Look where he's at. But this man, no, Jesus never asked a question unintentionally. This man looks back at Jesus and says this. He says, he immediately starts giving him an excuse. Sir, he didn't call him Jesus. He didn't know he was Jesus. He says, sir, I have no one to put me in the water when the water is stirred. People jump in before me. Immediately an excuse of why I can't, why I shouldn't, why I, why I could not get the healing that I'm looking for. It sounds a lot like us, to be honest with you. Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? That was a popular question that Jesus asked all through the gospel. What do you want me to do for you? I feel, like, I feel like he's asking you the same thing today. What happened? What would happen in the house of God? What would happen in your life if we were just honest with him? When he said, what do you want me to do for you? You say, I need to be able to pay rent this month, Lord. Let's do this. I need my son to come back home. I need my son to break up with that girl. I need my daughter to break up with that boy. Be honest. What do you want me to do for you? The man comes back with an excuse of why he can't. This is what we do. God, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. Let me, let me go ahead and clean myself up before I come up to you. Let me go ahead and try to work it out myself. There's an excuse. Because he, was, he, was, he was looking to the wrong thing. He was looking to, the, to, the, to a moment. Well, Lord, if these lights were a little lower, if these lights... He said, amen, amen. Let me swing it the other way for the, for the youth. If these lights were a little brighter, this music was a little quieter, if this music was a little louder, come on, if pastor would hoop more, if pastor would hoop less, if we had more organ, if we had less organ, if we had better groups, if we had a better women's ministry, if we didn't have a women's ministry, you feel me? There's always something. We're looking to the wrong things for satisfaction. Looking to the wrong things to give us the moment that we're looking for. We're looking to the wrong things to give us, uh, to, to, to give us, to, to give us that void feeling element. We make so many excuses. But Jesus says, you know what, forget this. And this is grace. Even when we don't know how to explain our situation, even when we get it wrong, Jesus still saw the little mustard seed of faith on the inside of him. How do I know he had faith? He was there. 
Come on, somebody. He was, he was there. Can I tell you something? Even if you feel faithless in the room, I've got news for you today. You got a little faith in you. Why do I know that? Because you're here. You're in this room today. And I'm going to tell you, even when you have an excuse, even when you don't know how to explain your situation, God will still walk up on your scene and see the little faith you have on the inside of you. And he'll say, that's enough for me, baby. That's enough for me. I'm going to give them what they desire. Even when you can't explain it, I'm still going to give it to him because Jesus' response wasn't even a rebuke. It wasn't even do a better job. He said, get up, take up your mat and walk. Three things that this man couldn't do before. Jesus, how are you going to ask me to get up, take up my mat and walk? I can't get up. I'm weak. I can't take up my mat. My arms are shriveled up. I definitely can't walk because I have no, I have, for 38 years, I have no sense of, of, of how to walk. My mind hasn't put together left, right, left, right. How do I do three things? Can I tell you that he didn't, he didn't ask him if he was able to. He just said, I'm just calling you to do it. Sometimes on the other side of your obedience is found your, is found your healing. We get mad because we say, God, if you're going to do it, you're just going to have to make me get up. He says, right, take up your mat and walk. Make me. If you're going to do it, you're going to have to pick me up. You're going to have to carry me and carry my mat for me. He said, no, I need you to take up your mat and walk yourself. And the moment it said that this man went to get up, it says that immediately he was healed. Immediately he knew how to walk. Immediately he knew how to put right, left together, right, left together. And that word walk doesn't mean walk in circles because it says in the Bible that we're like sheep and we wander. This word walk means to walk an assignment, to walk intentionally. This means that this man had a complete understanding of how to walk, where to go, what to do, exactly how to do it. Let me tell you, on the other side of you getting up, taking up your mat and walk, God will show you exactly how to do it and where to go. You say, I don't know direction for my life. Just get up and begin to walk. Walk on assignment. If you walk according to the leadership of the Spirit of God, He'll always show you how to get to where you're called to. He will. God will often give the what before the how. Get up and walk. That's the what. How do I do it? I'll show you. As the men with leprosy began to walk into town, they were healed. As the blind man took a step, he was healed. On the other side of your obedience, if you're still waiting for uh, healing or deliverance or breakthrough, whatever word you want to use there, go back to the last word from God. What did God tell you to do four years ago you haven't done yet? Rise, take up your mat, and walk. He said, listen, I need you to carry the very thing that used to carry you. Oh, oh. Pick up the very thing that used to hold you. Because when it holds you, it owns you. But when you hold it, it own, you own it. I'm reminded of a scripture in, in, in the Bible when the word says that we're more than conquerors. How in the world are you more than a conqueror? Wouldn't it be enough just to get the dub? Just to get the win? Just to get the victory? Wouldn't it be enough just to win? Right? But he said, no, you're more than a conqueror. The best way I can describe it is the story of David and Goliath. If you don't know the story of David and Goliath, David was a 15-year-old teenage boy with two armpit hairs. He was a good guy. Good guy. And 
I feel like there's a 15 year old in the room. It's like, I got more than that. I'll prove it. I'll prove it. No, we don't need you to prove all that, bro. We're good. We're good here. Um, David runs up on the scene. There's a whole lot more in the story. And Goliath is essentially as tall as a basketball rim. It's just giant. Bad guy, Goliath. Good guy, David. David pulls out five stones out of his pocket. And the word says that he began to run towards Goliath. And he slung the stone and knocked Goliath down. But how many of you know in the room that it's not good enough just to knock your giant down if he's not dead? My fear is that we come into the house and knock our giants down at the altar, but we never kill the giant in our life at the altar. So he runs up to Goliath, David does, and he pulls out the sword after Goliath is out, pulls out the sword, little graphic, excuse me, he cuts off the head of Goliath. What am I trying to say? That what was sent to kill you and what was sent to slay you will now turn and serve you. That's what it means to be more than a conqueror. That the same depression that was sent to kill you will now turn and serve you. The same insomnia that was sent to kill you, don't make me preach, will now turn to serve you. The same anxiety that was sent to kill you will now turn and serve you. How do I mean by that? You walk around saying, look what the Lord has done. That porn addiction that I had, I'm telling you, I get to walk around and share my story. That homosexuality that I had, I get to turn around and share my story. This, this, this struggle that I had, this addiction, Addiction, I can turn around now and share my story. These are some of the predominant issues in our time I'm speaking of. I now get to wave saying, look what the Lord has done in my life. That's what it means to be more than a conqueror. We're overcomers by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. My story. I share my story saying God did it for me. He can do it for you. When I encountered the Lord when I was 18 years old, I said, if God can rescue me what he rescued me from, I will spend the rest of my life telling people he can do the same for them. And for me, it was drugs, it was relationships, it was alcohol. I was going to all that for satisfaction. But like I said earlier, the moment that I encountered him, I'm not, I'm not claiming that I was perfect afterwards. We still, make, we still made mistakes. I was just in pursuit of the one who is perfect. It's called trajectory. David was a man after God's heart. How is he a man after God's heart if he slept with Bathsheba? He did all kinds. He, he had a guy murdered. How is he a man after his heart? He was a man on trajectory. He still made mistakes. But he was still a man after, after God's heart. You with me? If I can go ahead and get the keyboard to come back up, please, Miss Lucy. What was sent to slay you will serve you. Let me just say, all the hell that you had to walk through in your life, God will make it turn around and be your slave. Because you'll be able to share a redemption story of Jesus in your life. This man took up his mat and he began to walk. He began to walk on assignment. And now everywhere that he went, he had the mat with him. He said, look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. What's amazing to me is I begin to ask the text. I begin to ask it what, how, okay, so how was he healed? How do I, how do I explain that he was healed? Because he never got in the water. He never jumped in the pool when the angel came down. He never had 
the moment inside the moving of the water. He never, he never jumped in the stirring of the, of the pool. So how to get his healing? He said that, no, he still got in water, just not in that water. He still got in water, just not in that water. What am I saying? John chapter four, Jesus, the chapter before, he's sitting with the woman at the well. And he tells the woman that I am the living water. I am the well that never runs dry. If you take a drink of me, you'll never thirst again. The way we read it was he told her, I am the one that you're looking for. So he got in water that day, just not in that water. That water sometimes for us can represent Sunday morning church, good things, family, relationships, and bad things, struggles, addictions. What is your water today that you're looking in? Are you looking for a Sunday morning service to give you the moment that you need? What am I trying to say? They were looking for a moment, just like the rest of us charismaniacs want to do. Look for a moment. But all the while we look for the moment, we miss the man. Let me tell you, if you find the man, you'll find the, the moment. Yeah, if you find the man named Jesus, you'll find the miracle. Let's not look for the miracle. Let's not look for the moment to get things to get crazy before we look for the man. Because everything that you need for this life is found in the man. The healing, the hope, the love, the miracle, the deliverance, the satisfaction, the joy, the rest at night is all found in the man named Jesus. And we'll have moments, but if there are moments just to have moments, we've missed the man. This man this day laying by the pool found the man named Jesus. Jesus will always be our point of contact. It's everything that we need. I think we put too much pressure on our church and our pastor. I think those of us who are married, we put too much pressure on our spouse to find the satisfaction we're looking for. My wife, Jaylee, can't give me the satisfaction that I can only get from the Holy Spirit. You can't get from your spouse the satisfaction. That's why you keep going back to look for it. Look for the affirmation. Look for the satisfaction. It's, it's fleeting. It's fleeting. And we should affirm. We should comfort. We should speak. But it's not going to fill that deep place in you. Even the good things can get in the way of the God things. It's always about Jesus. It's always been about Jesus. It'll always be about Jesus. I'm reminded one of my favorite stories is John chapter 1, a few chapters before. Jesus is walking by a couple guys, first couple guys that decided to follow Jesus. He said, Jesus is walking by, and these two guys, two disciples, begin to follow Jesus. And Jesus turns around and asks them this question. He says, what are you looking for? Another translation says, what do you want? Not like a, what do you want? But it's like, what are you seeking? He asked. Like, when you follow me, what are you looking for? The men look back at Jesus and they say, where are you staying? In other words, I just want to be where you are. Wouldn't life just be so much better if we just 
was where he is. Come on, let it be said about your life in this church that we are where Jesus is. And when we are where he is, everything that we need follows. We don't chase joy. We don't chase purpose. We don't chase satisfaction. We seek a man named Jesus and we get before him and we live before him and we commune with him and we stay where he's staying and everything that we need follows. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added. And I just came from Dallas this morning to let you know that it has always been about Jesus. It will always be about Jesus. Let us not, especially us church folk, let us not make it about anything else but Jesus. If you don't like the song, it shouldn't stop you from worshiping Jesus. If you don't like the preach, it shouldn't stop you from worshiping Jesus. You don't need a song. You don't need a sermon. You need him. We need a pursuit of him. And no matter what life throws our way, we just seek him. Never keeping our eyes off of him. The disciples in John chapter 6, people started leaving Jesus. They looked back at Jesus. They said, where else will we go? We can't go anywhere else. Where else would we go? Jesus said, you're going to go too? He said, where else would we go? You have the words of eternal life. In other words, you are the living water. In other words, you are my point of contact. It's everything that I need. I just want to let you know this place today, if you feel empty, if you feel like you're looking to the wrong moving, to the wrong water, good things, bad things, things in between. I'm here to tell you the missing link in your life is a pursuit after Jesus. That's all that we need. That's all that we'll always need. He'll always be more than enough. For every empty place inside of us, it's about Him. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me and would you stand with me at the same time, please? Every head bowed, every eye closed. I just want to remind every weary mother, every overworked father, every distraught grandparent in this room that Jesus is all you need. It's beyond theory. This is reality. You don't know unless you try. He's everything that you need. But I don't want to leave this moment today without giving some of you in this room a chance to surrender your life to Jesus. In the church, we call it salvation. Maybe you've never surrendered to life, or maybe years ago you have, and somewhere along the way, life has knocked you off course. And you said, today, afresh, in a new way, in a fresh way, once again, I want to surrender my life to him. It's kind of like getting out of the driver's seat of your life and letting him get in. And what salvation means is essentially when you pass away from this life, you spend forever in eternity with him. But you don't just get him after death, you get him while you live. You get satisfaction, you get joy. And today as I was preaching, you don't even remember much what I was saying, what I was hollering about. But what you do know is the feeling that you had deep within you. The heart, your heart's beating in your chest. And you say, today, I want to surrender my life to Jesus. I'm not going to call you forward or embarrass you in any way. I just want to pray for you right where you are, between me, you, and the Lord. If that's you in this room, on the count of three, I want you to throw your hand up like you're unashamed. You say, I surrender my life to Jesus. That's you. One, two, three. You say, I surrender my life. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're not alone. You're not alone. Thank you, Jesus. 
I want us all to do this together. If you're with us, a church family, go ahead and put your hands down. Will we all put our hands over our hearts and pray this word? Everybody has a family. Let's pray this together. Say, Jesus. Come on, say, Jesus. I believe you are the Son of God. Thank you for dying for me. Say, Father, forgive me for my mistakes. Forgive me for my sins. Say, Lord, I give you my life. Would you help me along the way? Thank you that the old is gone and the new has come. Thank you that today is a new day. Thank you that today is the first day of my new life. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I want to pray for one more group of people in this room. Those of you in this room who, who you felt stuck, actually two more groups of people, you felt stuck, you felt like you looked over, you felt like you got to keep starting over each day. And you're wondering today, will today be my day? Or if you just settled and you say, this is just how it's going to be. It's not how it's going to be. It's not how it's going to stay. That's you in this room. I just want to pray this over you. If you feel stuck, Father, I thank you that you are the God that makes a way. You are the God who sees. You are the God who cares. Thank you that you are on our scene today to touch us deep down within our souls. Thank you, Lord, for every broken heart being made whole right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for every confused mind. I speak peace to it in the name of Jesus. For every family that's struggling, whether it's uh, uh, in their connectivity, whether it's financially, Father, I declare you are the provider. I declare it in the name of Jesus. Every marriage in this room, I just, I want to serve notice to the devil that you can't have this family. Every weapon formed against them shall not prosper. I declare you are more than a conqueror. You are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord. One more group of people, every head about every eye closed. Why do we do that in church? Just for a moment of privacy, not unspiritual. The Bible, the text that we read today closes with, and he walked again. So I want to speak to all the Christians in this room who have walked away from your first love. He walked again implies that he used to walk in a certain way on assignment. But something happened along the way to knock off his walk. What happened in your life? Did you go through a season of hardship? Did you go through trials? Did your family go through stuff? Did you go through loss? Did you get a title and suddenly you stopped burning for Jesus like you used to burn for him? I want to pray for every person in this room who have forsaken their first love. What does that mean? That first passion and zeal that you had for Jesus when he first got saved. Father, right now, I fan the flame in their life. I call them higher. I speak that they will burn hotter and brighter than they ever have before. Thank you that they're just as strong, if not stronger, in their old days than they were in their younger days. Father, I thank you that today is a new day of zeal. Today is a new day of passion. Today is a new day of commitment. Today, today is a new day of sacrifice. I declare the flame in their first love will be brighter than ever before. God, we remember today. We remember, we remember. We remember, we reflect on your saving grace and we're grateful in this place. 
If I got anyone else who's grateful in this room, would you put your hands together? Come on, let's praise God. Come on, like 15 seconds. Let's worship Him in this room. Worship Him that it's always, it's always good. It's always good. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hey, I love you. It's been a real blessing to have you today here at Pathway. We pray and hope that this is the best week of your life. And uh, we pray and hope as well and believe that we'll see you next week. We love you. We bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you.